This is Partners in Practice, a weekly series dedicated to the evolving field of the advanced practice clinician. Here is your host nurse practitioner, Mimi Secor. We are currently in the midst of exploding growth of online social media communications. This trend is a unique worldwide phenomenon. Currently, there are an estimated 500 million users on Facebook worldwide. On the popular business social networking site LinkedIn, there are over 1 million company profiles and 70 million users. More practices are using online social media to promote their practices and communicate with their patients. With me today is nurse practitioner Barbara Phillips, private practice, entrepreneurial business owner, and social media expert. And today we're discussing the trend in online social media and what advanced practice clinicians need to know about it for their practices and careers. Hello, Barbara. Welcome to ReachMD. Hi, Mimi. Thanks for having me. So how are you involved in online social media as it relates to your practice and your business? Well, you know, I've been involved with various social media platforms for the past few years. And in terms of my business, for the past three years or so, I've been using it to bring attention to the issues surrounding nurse practitioners in business and some of the solutions that are available, as well as educating clinicians about business issues. What is online social media and social networking, Barbara? Well, you know, we use the term social media and social networking somewhat interchangeably. And basically, it's a platform where we can interact with one another through commenting or sharing and making recommendations and that sort of thing. Why should advanced practice clinicians pay attention to this trend? I mean, we're all busy. We're working clinically way more than 40 hours a week. You know, why should we care, really? Well, that's a great question. And the biggest reason is because our patients are involved with social media. According to the Pew Internet Research Center, they've been studying what they call the e-patient, and that's basically the connected patient. And they're talking about how these patients are not only using the Internet to gather health-related information, but also how they're sharing the information they find about conditions and treatments and even about providers. So as we move forward, it's becoming clear that practices need to have a presence in the social media sphere. Who are these online e-patients, and are they just the younger population? You know, that's a really popular thought is that it's just the younger population, but that's not true at all. We do know that about 86% of people ages 18 to 29 are using social media. However, there is a recent study through the Pew Commission showing that Americans between the ages of 50 and 64 have increased their use of social media by 88% this year alone. So it's really not uncommon for somebody's grandmother to have a Facebook profile. In other words, it's really mainstream. So what are the most popular social networking sites? And tell us a little bit more about each one of them, Barbara. Well, you know, there's really hundreds of different social media sites, but there's three that are most popular. First one is Twitter, and that's just a real-time kind of micro-blogging platform. And what that means is you can put out what is called a tweet, and it's 140 characters or less. And it's real-time. It's like 190 million visitors a month go to Twitter and just tweet a bunch of different things. The second one is LinkedIn, and LinkedIn has been around since about 2002, I believe. It has 70 million users, a million company profiles, and it's really a professional networking 
site. So it's more that business-to-business type of a site. But, you know, the big one is Facebook. Facebook was started at Harvard in 2004 (laughs) just for students. And since 2006, anybody above age 13 can join. And there's like over 500 million users now. What about blogging and YouTube? Well, you know, blogging, in my opinion, is really probably the first social media platforms that were out there because when you have a blog, you can post comments and you can have a dialogue going back and forth and you're able to share different things. YouTube is actually the largest video sharing platform that's out there and it's quite social. You can like different videos, you can subscribe to different videos, you can make different comments on them. And actually, just as an aside, YouTube is actually becoming quite the popular search engine, if you will, and it's owned by Google. Can you explain more about the personal versus the professional use of these online social media platforms? One of the things that I think is really important that we as professionals need to understand is that while there is a personal side to social networking, I believe that for us as professionals, it overlaps, that personal and professional. But basically with the personal, you can have your own private little platform, like on Facebook, for instance, and you can share different things with your families and friends. But as professionals, some of that is still searchable. So I just really recommend that people keep a more professional handle on their own profiles. That's very important advice, I think, because we're really venturing into new territory here, Barbara. What sites should advanced practice clinicians really pay attention to? Well, I think the two big ones for us would be LinkedIn and Facebook. And LinkedIn, like I said, is really good for professional networking, and it's more of a a business-to-business type of networking that goes on. A lot of clinicians use it to look for their next job, for instance, and a lot of employers go to Facebook looking for their next employees and business partners. And it's also a great place to find different vendors for the services that we need to use in our businesses and practices. Facebook, just because of the sheer size and the options that are available to us, should really be a huge part of our marketing plan. If you're just joining us, you're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm nurse practitioner Mimi Secor, and I'm speaking today with nurse practitioner Barbara Phillips, private practice, entrepreneurial business owner, and social media expert. And today we're discussing the trend in online social media and what advanced practice clinicians need to know about it for their practices and their careers. So, Barbara, you were just mentioning how we as advanced practice clinicians, we should possibly be using Facebook for marketing our practices. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I think one of the options that Facebook has available to us is the ability to make what is called a page. Facebook, originally, they just wanted it for personal profiles, but they realized that so many people were also using it for business. So they created what is called a page, and that's where you put your business information. And so I do believe that we should create pages for our businesses and our practices where we can put in information about our website, our hours, the location of our practice, what our focus of our practice is. And then we can make little posts for our healthcare consumers, such as, hey, flu vaccines have arrived, come in for your appointment, that sort of thing. 
So are you suggesting, Barbara, that we have both a professional website and a page on Facebook and that we be connected to LinkedIn? Yes, I am, okay. actually. I am. Okay. One of the good things about having a Facebook page linking to your personal website, your practice website, is that Facebook will bring a lot of traffic to you. It also brings what we call a lot of link juice, and it rises you up in the search engines when somebody starts looking for you. What about communicating by email directly with our patients and the whole HIPAA thing and privacy? And there's an awful lot going on in this area right now. Oh, there is. Communicating with your patients through email, there's what we call secured email servers that can be used. For instance, in my practice, our EMR will actually email our patients their appointments. But what we do is we have our patients sign a consent that says that we have permission to email them, that they understand we're not going to share any protected information, that these emails are not secured, and also that they don't contact us back with emergent situations via email because it's not necessarily monitored all the time. Is that a document that you might be willing to share with listeners in terms of just a sample of what a practice might utilize? You know, what I'll do is I will post that to our blog, which is at www.npbusiness.org. And what are the legal considerations that providers should be aware of related to communicating online with patients? Well, you know, this is actually an emerging area of law, and I spoke with several attorneys about this, and many of them are quite concerned about how this is going to play out. There's no case law as of yet, but they're expecting some really huge cases to come forward. One of the things that we need to consider and what some practices are doing now is they're doing things like streaming video on maybe a procedure or they're tweeting during procedures. We hear about that through you know, surgeries and that sort of thing. And one of the questions one of the attorneys said to me is like, what happens if there's a problem during the surgery and you are videotaping it and it's being streamed live? We really need to look at what it is we're saying, what it is we're doing. And the other thing that is really important to understand is that when your records are subpoenaed, that also includes your electronic communication which includes your post. Here's an interesting dilemma. Not all clinicians are on their business emails. They may be contacted by patients through other emails that they have as clinicians. Do those need to be recorded into the medical records, those communications? Should they be? You know, what I usually do, because that's happened to me, I actually destroy the email. I contact the patient because that email's not secure at all, I contact the patient and talk to them and tell them that I've destroyed the email and I bring them into the office. I will also make note to that fact whether some attorney would say that that unsolicited information is recoverable. It may be, but because it's not secure, I don't even like to leave it online. As advanced practice clinicians, what are some of the most important guiding principles we should follow when involved with the online social media as it relates to us as clinicians? Well, I think one of the most important things we need to do is we need to create a practice policy that discusses 
for ourselves, our employees, and our patients just what kind of involvement we're going to have with social media and what kind of communication we will or will not have with patients. And if we decide that we are going to communicate online, I think we need to have a policy addressing what is appropriate and what isn't. The other thing that is really important is that we go out there and we create our online identities, even if we don't do anything with them, because it's going to protect our name and our practice name. Oh, so you're talking about creating your own website, your own Facebook professional page. Is that how you create you know, your own I'm, identity? Uh, yeah, I'm talking about going ahead and claiming your identities. You know, for instance, my name is Barbara Phillips. I am not the only Barbara Phillips in the world. <laughs> and, but so many other people can take that name and utilize it, and it might get confused with who I am. So I found it important to go out and create my identities in various different places so that nobody else can take that. So you talked about destroying any email that a patient might send to you, just deleting it. And I'm just wondering, how about your personal and your professional social networking? Should it be separate and protected? One of the things, and like I said a little bit earlier, I really think that for those of us that are professionals, it's really hard to keep things personal and professional. You can't really separate them online because it's so easy to just search you out. So I just really keep everything as professional as I can. Things that I share online that are on a more personal basis, I keep it you know, more on the professional. I don't share secrets, for instance. What resources do you recommend for our listeners to learn more about online social networking? There's a lot of information out there, but I think looking at some of the guidelines that are put out by the Pew Internet Commission is important, and that's at pewinternet.org. One of the recognized experts on social media is Mashable, and that's M-A-S-H-A-B-L-E.com. And do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners about this topic? Yes, I think it's really important that we do have a presence online and we get involved. I think we need to be particularly mindful of privacy settings and what's being said. And I think it's incredibly important that you never, ever put anything out online that you don't want your grandmother or a judge to see. Thank you for sharing your expertise today, Barbara. It has been a great pleasure talking with you. Thank you, Mimi. You've been listening to Partners in Practice on ReachMD. You can download this program and any other program in our library at ReachMD.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for listening.